0: When we say that, that Jesus died for us, and he saved us from our sin, that's a term, uh, a theological term called justification. It's a legal transaction that has happened. Uh, the penalty for sin has been paid, and justice has been served, and we have been justified. And because of that, we can go free, right? We can be free. So here at the plant, we had this huge, huge celebration for Easter. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I actually wore a bow tie. And <laughs> and, I and, and I've don't and i never worn a bow tie before. I think the last time I wore a bow tie was for my graduation in preschool. <laughs> and I, seriously, and it was like a clip-on bow tie. I had no idea how to put it. I thought I'd be this gentleman and try to be all classy, so I got like a real bow tie. And I thought, hey, if, it's, if a tie is this long, and if I could figure out how to figure uh, out put on a tie, I could definitely figure out a bow tie, because it's like one-tenth of the size. But uh, boy, was I mistaken. So we were, Jody and I, we were on YouTube that morning trying to figure <laughs> it out. You have to do all these crazy things. So I came here, and I'm like, Omar, what do I do? I have no idea. So then he took me in the bathroom, then he, he hooked me up, he put it on, and, and uh, everything was okay. And I noticed a lot of you here, also on Easter Sunday, you guys were, you were all dressed up, you were happy, you were excited, maybe had lunch, or dinner plans, and Easter Sunday, we had this like, big, like, mountaintop experience, right? Like, in your minds, there was probably a zero, zero temptation or sin that was even in your minds that day. It's one of those days where like, you're, you know, you're a million, a thousand miles away from even thinking about anything that is sinful or, or tempting, and, and, and it's awesome. But then, what happens? On Monday morning. So, Monday morning rolls by. Maybe we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We hit our toe on the bed frame and stub our toe and and start off on the the wrong foot, literally. We drive to ShopRite. We're trying to find a spot. We can't find a spot. Someone else pulls in the spot that we were going to take, which happens to me often, the one in (laughs) Ramsey. And uh, the day gets started off wrong they get started off wrong sin enters into our minds temptation enters into our minds we we go back home and fight with our spouse or our, or our family and then we get angry and we fall back into the old sin and the old addictions and the old things that that we were holding on to before he is risen right oftentimes the monday after easter or the, the, the day after we were saved or, or whatever the case is, we fall back into our old life, into our old sin, and our old behavior. And the problem is we, we ask ourselves, well, why haven't I changed? Wasn't I just justified? Didn't Jesus just die for my sins? So why do I still have this sin lingering with me? What, like, what, what's the deal with this? Then disappointment And frustration, sin, and shame comes in. And you know what? That's a story for many of us here that are followers of Jesus. So we want to pray this morning and ask God to reveal what he has to say to us. So let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you, God, into this place. You are present here and you are alive and you are real. And God, we know that you have given your life for us. And, and, and for so many of us here, God, we, we struggle with sin that's so deep in our lives that brings shame and frustration. And we don't know why, God. We're stuck. Father, we, we want you to open up our eyes. We want you to show us what it is like to be holy. So we invite your presence here and we ask you to speak to us this morning. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, there's a pastor by the name of John Soper, okay? And John Soper is one of the famous pastors in the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination. And uh, John Soper, he, he has this quote. He says, most American Christians who confess Christ show little evidence in their life that they have been separated from sin. I'll say that again. Most American Christians who confess Christ show little evidence that they have been Separated from sin, and also most American Christians behave in a way that make it difficult for others to believe that they have been set apart for the service of God. So, basically, what he's saying is that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus out there, uh, for people on the outside, there's for a lot of people, there's absolutely no difference in our lives between those who follow Jesus and others. Who are not Christians in America. There's absolutely no difference. It, it, it's, it's, it's even hard to trace some of these outward uh, things and, and the sin issues and, and all these things are the same. There's a book called Unchristian, and uh, in that book, the author kinds of talks about how outsiders, people that are not in the church, look into the church and uh, and and see and, and make ob- observations. And there's a quote in there that says, 85% 85 of young outsiders have had sufficient exposures to Christians and churches, and they conclude that present-day Christianity is hypocritical. That's a high percentage. So 85% of young people that are outside of the church think that Christians are hypocritical. And then he goes on to say, there's a deeper reason why the perception of hypocrisy exists. It's not just our lifestyle that has gotten us in trouble, it's the very way we convey the priorities of being a Christian. The most common message people hear from us is that Christianity is a religion with rules and regulation. People measure us by our own standards and rightly render us hypocritical." In. uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verses 18 through 19. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it. It might come up on the screen. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Many of us here are in that same boat. We want to do what is right, but we can't. We don't want to do what is wrong, but we still do it anyway. There are many of us here that, that have had that mountaintop experience. Maybe it's on Easter Sunday, or the day that you met Jesus, or, or, or some other day. And then you, you thought that all of your sin issues were taken care of, and, and they were gone there on the cross, you're never going to see them again. But then we get frustrated because a day later, a week later, they show up. What do we do with this? What do we do with this tension? How do do we deal with this? You see, justification is only the first half of the equation. Justification is only the first half of the equation. And all Christians understand justification, the idea that We have been served justice, that Jesus died for us and the penalty was paid. But not all Christians understand another term, and that is sanctification. Not all Christians understand what sanctification is. And in the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, the denomination that we're in, we believe that Jesus is not just the Savior that saves us from our sin, but He is also. The sanctifier that heals us of our sin, that changes our very nature from the inside out. Sanctification, what that basically means, is to be set apart from sin and to be set apart unto God. To be set apart from sin and to be set apart unto God. Um, How many of you guys here have been, has anyone ever been to an Indian wedding before? bunch of people are seeing one on TV. Yeah, I've been to one. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously I've been to an Indian wedding. When you go to an Indian wedding, I know Bill has, he's laughing. Uh, uh, When you go to an Indian wedding, it's like this huge celebration. There's like, literally we had like hundreds and hundreds of people at our wedding. We didn't even know the majority of them, but they were there. So we had hundreds of people. There's so much music. There's so much uh, so much celebration and, and and outfits and and and, f- and that's a, at a whole nother level. Forget about the bow tie. I had to I had to wear a turban. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I I didn't have, that. Would have been really bad if I if I had to wear a turban. But uh, no, I didn't ha- I didn't have to wear a turban. Thank God. But um, if you're if you ever go to an Indian wedding or if you see it on uh, on TV or on a movie. You'll notice that all these, all the women there are wearing all these like colors, these like fluorescent colored outfits like magenta and hot pink and turquoise and green and 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 yellow and with, with sequencing and beads and bling and it's like this huge and, and like you have to wear like sunglasses, it's, like this color, it's like this color explosion there. Right? So it, it's like so intense. And at our wedding, like everyone is like dressed up like this, right? But, no matter who you were there, you knew that you would never dare wear what color? White. white, right? You would never dare to wear white because white was only reserved for who? For the bride, right? So um, I think we have a picture of uh, someone wearing white over here. <laughs> she didn't know about this. So so um, no matter who you were at the wedding, if you had just walked in and, and didn't know what was going on, you would look around and, and you would see this bride wearing white. So Jody was wearing this bright white dress in the midst of all these colors, and she was beaming. She looked like an angel. It was, it was like an amazing thing. So meant no matter where you were, you would look around and, and see this person and be like, whoa, that person is set apart from everyone else. I don't know. if you, Even if you've never been to a wedding before, you'll be like, wow, this person is... There's something up with her because she's totally different from everyone else. She's set apart from everyone else. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 reads, God has united us, you, with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. See, sanctification, the first part, means to be separated from sin, to be separated from sin. And First uh, Peter, chapter one, verse 15 through 16, reads, "But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God chose you who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, "You must be holy because I am holy." Holiness. Remember we talked about that God who's so holy and who's so powerful and he's so omniscient. God is holy because he's separated from sin and he's separated from everything else around him. So sanctification is what? Separation from sin. And next, it's separation unto God. Separation unto God. Revelations chapter 1, verse 6. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So, as you guys might all know, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God resided in the temple of Jerusalem, right? So, his, his spirit was there. And it was only the priests that were allowed to go into the, the temple, into the area where God's presence was. So, the priests had to put on all these outfits with all these colors, with all these decorations, and and have all these symbolic things wrapped around them and and go through all these rituals. And it was not until that that they were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies because then they had to be set apart. You see, as followers of Jesus, we can only have a fulfilling life, a whole life, when we're set apart from sin and when we're set apart to God. We can only have a fulfilling life when we're set apart from sin and when we're set apart unto God. You guys all remember the story, the narrative of uh, Adam and Eve, right? So Adam and Eve in the garden, they walked, before they had sinned, they walked with God. They had a journey with God. They had a relationship with God because sin had not entered in yet. But the moment they had sinned, what happened? They were separated. right? They were, had to be separated from that close proximity from that, from that presence with God. You see, sin, sin is like a virus. Sin is the material of death. It's the virus of death. It goes inside of you and eats at you and, and, and digs at you and decays you and brings death and destruction over and over again, and it destroys you slowly. So I have a question for you. When, when you have a disease, where do you usually go? You go to the doctor, right? When, you, when, you, when, you, when you're dealing with a virus or a disease, you, you go to the doctor. So uh, I'm gonna play the doctor today. I'm gonna ask uh, Kyle to come up here for a second. Let's give Kyle a round of applause. Can you come over here, actually? So. All right. I just found one of these on the street. I don't know where they're. <laughs> so, um, let's see, Kyle. When you go to the doctor, you usually go to the doctor because you have some like major problem, right? How many of you guys like going to the doctors? How many of you guys like doctors? Anyone? Okay, better. Raise your hands, okay. Um, so when you go to the doctor, right, he pulls out a clipboard, and then, you know, you just want to go in there to deal with your uh, disease or issue that you're going through, right? And then once you deal with that, you're like, yes, I'm done. I, w- I want to leave. I want to head out. But then the doctor says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait hold on a second. Hold on. There's a few other things I want to I wanna go through with you. So you needed a heart transplant. I got you a new heart. You're all set. Uh, but there are a few other things I want to deal with. So then he takes out his checklist. Okay, so... You have some arthritis, right? Yeah, I want to take care of that. You have some asthma, trouble sleeping, all right? Abdominal pain, goiter and hives, (laughs) yep. Um, Convulsions, I see a little, some convulsions, you need to take care of that. Uh, Joint pains, leg pains, yeah, we're going to take care of that. Um, Swelling in the ankles, right? I think you have a little of that, I need to heal you of that. Uh, High cholesterol, Uh, you need to watch what you eat there. Um, Fatigue. Uh, whiplash injury, mood swings, <laughs> migraines, head injuries, nose bleeds, glaucoma, cataracts, frequent sore throats, and bad breath, right? <laughs> All right. All right. You also have uh, bronchitis, uh, pneumonia, kidney stones, uh, constipation, I think so, <laughs> parasites, and uh, a little cancer and eczema and acne, and back pain, <laughs> might I add, right? It's a lot, (laughs) exactly. All right, thank you. You can sit down. (laughs) So, you know, oftentimes that's what it's like when, you know, we go to the doctor. We have one major issue that we want him to deal with, but then there are a lot of other things that, that come up that we have to take care of. So what I want to share with you today is that God wants to heal all of you. He wants to heal all of you. He doesn't just want to die for your sin. He wants to deal with every single issue that you have. He wants to go deep. He wants to heal all of you. So what he does is he says, okay, I I want to heal all all of you. The only way he can do that is to come inside of us. So the spirit of God, the presence of God comes inside of us And God says, you know what? Let me deal with all of those sin issues in your life. Let me take care of that. When we become a follower of Jesus, one of the first things we are given is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. The Holy Spirit. What the Spirit does is it's the presence of God himself coming inside of us, giving us life giving us freedom, giving us victory over these sins, giving us power against temptation and all these things and and, and helps equip us for the future. See, the Holy Spirit is the divine agent of sanctification. The Holy Spirit is the agent that does the work of sanctification in our hearts and in our lives. We believe in, the, in our denomination, we believe that that sanctification, the process of sanctification is two-part. Sanctification is a crisis. It's a crisis moment, and it's also a process moment. It's a crisis moment, and it's also a process. We say sanctification, which is being separated from God and, and separated from sin and separated to God, we say it's a crisis because... Sanctification is something we, we actively have to do. We actively have to come to a place where we could surrender our sin to God. It, it's a turning point in our life when we have to say, God, I, I'm dealing with this sin and I need to bring it down to the foot of your cross and lay it down before you because only you can change me. Only you can do something. So it's a crisis because we have free will and, and we have to make a moment of surrender to lay it down in a decision. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 13 reads, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of sin, of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now... You have new life. So your whole body, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So, sanctification is a crisis. It's a crisis moment. But it is also a process. And what do we mean by that? Sometimes when you lay down sins, what happens? A few days later, they may show up again because there's a real and present enemy working that's in this earth so it's a process because after we have this crisis moment and we surrender this, maybe the day after Easter maybe the next week, maybe the next year we need to bring that that sin comes up and we need to deal with it again and again and again it's a process because we have to bring that sin to the foot of the cross, to God's altar on a daily basis until he changes that When we surrender our sin to God, we're able to abide with him and confide with him and rest in him and depend on him and he changes us. And that's what this ongoing relationship with Jesus is. This process of sanctification where he changes us, he transforms us. But we need to bring it back again. Wake up in the morning, bring it back to him again, again and again and again. And before you know it, we're transformed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 states now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and whole soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again and Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 25 but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives love joy peace patience Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong in Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our life. It's a process. Let us follow. Let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our life. It's a process. We have to go through it again and again and again. Dealing with sin is kind of like peeling an onion. You get an onion, you peel off one layer. And you have to peel off another. You go deeper and you go deeper and deeper. See, every time you find a sin to surrender to God you find more of him to surrender to. Every time you find a sin to surrender to God, you find more of you to surrender to him. The deep question I have for all of you this morning is, are you willing to let God go deep? Are you willing to let God go deep? How deep? Are you willing to let God go to deal with the sin issues in your life? Can you let go of your pride? Let down your guards? And can we open up our hearts? Because when the Spirit of God gets invited in, we change. We change. You know, much like that... uh, that that, that doctor that we talked about before Jesus comes to us and he brings his clipboard actually God doesn't need a clipboard he's probably memorized all of it so he comes to us when we invite him in and he says you know what Jeremy I've dealt with your disease of sin I've dealt with your heart I've given you a new heart that's going to last forever you're going to have eternal life but you know what there are a few other things I wanna take care of in your life, so I want you to sit down. There are a few more things that I wanna take care of. You know the lustful thoughts in your mind? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I wanna heal you of that. You know the anger that you have toward your brother or sister-in-law that you haven't talked to in years? You know what, I wanna deal with that too. You know the jealousy that you have because of your neighbor because they got a new car the car that you wanted, I want to heal you of that. You know the addiction that you go back to all the time after fighting with your spouse? I want to take care of that. You know how you always boast about your achievements when you're at work and make a big deal about yourself? I want to deal with that area too. You know how you're too proud to seek help or advice or the counsel of others? I want to deal with that. You know how you have this greed that's in you and you cheat on your finances I want to take care of that too. You know how when you were a kid and 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 you disobey your parents and you do what's wrong and you know what you're doing is wrong I want to deal with that. You know how you find faults in others when they're trying to help you that is what I want to deal with. You know how you have manipulation and deceit amongst your friends i want to deal with that you know the idolatry that you have of your possessions that you place in front of me your god i want to take care of that you know the anxiety that you have and the way that you live out of fear i want to heal you of that you know the emotions that you can't control and you're controlling your nature that you have i want to take care of that you know your rage your self-centeredness not thinking about others not caring about others all the sin all the evil all the dirt in your life that destroys you from the inside, that is what I want to heal you of. Amen. Are you willing to let God go that deep into you? Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and renovate you and heal you from the inside? God says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet after going through this process of of sanctification again and again and again one day you look in the mirror and you say hey after after a few years maybe I'll look in the mirror and and I'll be a new and improved version of myself but the moment you do you look in the mirror and you say you know what I don't even see myself here this is the presence of God alive in me You see, our expectation is to have a radical change. But it's God's expectation to transform us from the inside out. He wants to bring something completely new to your lives. God just doesn't want to just give you a new heart. He wants to restore every single part of you. He wants all of you So how deep are you willing to let God go? How deep are you willing to let God go? You know, there are many of us here that that maybe we've accepted Christ into our lives to deal with those major sin issues, but we don't believe that he can transform all the issues that we have. That is what our God does. How deep Will you let him go? You see, when we celebrate communion, we celebrate the fact that Jesus gave all of him. Jesus gave all of himself to us. His body, his blood was broken for us. He gave all of himself to us so that he could have all of us. That's my prayer for us this morning. I'm going to invite the the band to come up to uh, prepare for communion. He wants to restore every part of your lives. There may be some of us here that have had this mountaintop experience two weeks ago, or maybe we met Jesus and made him our Savior. But we haven't yet trusted him to make him our sanctifier. The one who deals with all of our issues. The one who changes us. The one that transforms us. We believe that this is a work that he can do. And if you're a follower of Jesus and this is your prayer today, as you come forward and, and, and take his body and take his blood and dip it and you say, Jesus, I know you as my Savior, but I want to know you as my Sanctifier, the one who changes me from sin and sets me apart all unto yourself. Maybe you're here today and and maybe you've never made a a decision of faith, and if that's you and you're just here, we just welcome you to sit down and and think about some of the things that, that we talked about. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision yet to to even know Jesus as your Savior. And if that's you and you want to come up and and take the the bread and, and dip it in the wine, that's you saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to make you my Savior and also my sanctifier. So all who follow Christ come forward to receive his body and his blood.